thank you. Welcome to another edition of the Dogger Pass Podcast. This for UFC Fight Night Sacramento, Lad versus Durandami. I'm Paul Shaughnessy, joined in studio, as always, by Cody Saftik. Coming off of UFC 239, where I got absolutely mollywhopped. I was going to say, you always say joined in studio by Cody Saftik, but after last week, it's like, you might have to think about replacing me, bud, because, oof, yeah, that was a bad card. What can you do? I, I don't know that I feel like every year I we all got whopped, suck. But suck a big one on on um fight week like international fight week i always just shit like i i can't get anything right it's just the fights that matter like i remember eddie alvarez versus that was like on the on the friday night card but it was on the ultimate fighter finale i remember eddie alvarez versus rda got absolutely torched on that one one coming and uh yeah there's a long history of me being very very sad after American well had had two of those three guys sitting cage side deem that Tiago Santos had somehow won that fight. That would be the cherry on top of how could anybody have profited from this. I guy. mean, we told but, people to fade Jones on DraftKings, who only scored fifty nine. Yeah, points, that so worked. That but, but, worked but, out. But, but Amanda also- Nunez crushed all home with a head kick, so that exactly didn't work. No, out. Uh, Luke Rockhold, we knew he was chinny, and he lived he up to continued that. Continued to be chinny at two hundred five. And Ben Askren, I won't make any excuses there. Shit happened. This is a fist fight or apparently a knee to the head fight. And yeah, no, let's move on. That's all you can do in this game. There's basically a card every weekend, so you can't do all Yeah, Take your lumps, move on to the next one. UFC Sacramento, obviously, here before we get to any of that. Uh, last week's winner, maybe the only winner that came out of last week's program, uh, Davis410. Congratulations. You are the winner of 20 DK dollars. 20 DK dollars. This week... Uh, what you got to do is give the episode a like, leave your DK handle, and Cody? If you watch this show in any capacity, you should know by now that Aspen Lad is my bebe. So for this week's question, who is your bebe? There's a lot of options. I mean, people like Paige Van Zant, people like Rachel Ostovich, uh, people like Andrea Lee. Depends what your karate thing hottie. is. The karate hottie. People are all over Michelle Watterson. So, you know, I used to have a thing for Joanne Calderwood. The half-shaved head kind of threw me off. I know you are not a fan. Not fan. Oh, I've had talks not, with Paul Sean. I'm not in on that. The half, the half-shaved. Don't even bring it up in Paul's presence. Uh, again, who is your bebe? Could be anybody. It could be something nobody sees coming. Like, I believe deep down that Tatiana Suarez is Paul's bebe. Sure, she'd manhandle him, but who wouldn't she manhandle? So I'll leave it at that. Leave it in the comment section, plus a like, plus your DK handle. She also follows me on Twitter. (laughs) Need I say any more? Need I say? No, I I don't want to say I was creepy in some pictures, but (laughs) but she got like uh, corrective eye surgery done, and she was like, I refuse to miss time at the gym. So she like posted her hitting pads motherfucking blindfolded and i was like all right i finally got a chance now that she's blind and oh then- <laughs> i remember that now are you blocked <laughs> nah i'm not blocked i just uh i'll leave it at that so yeah give the episode a like leave oh, your dk oh. handle and last, who is your baby yeah last thing i want to throw guy on guy or girl if you're f- whatever yeah you know it's it's 2019 the last thing i want to throw on there is that aspen lands like 22 23 i started following her she was like 19 20 I was like in my mid twenties. I'm only twenty seven now. About to turn twenty eight. Sadly enough, you can so never go back. Shit, you can never go back in time. Anyways, I've always felt weird about it. Like she's she was borderline young, and now she's kicking ass in the UFC. I'm happy to support her, but yeah, let's jump into it because she's gonna need some support here. I believe. Yep, she takes on Jermaine Durandami in the main event of UFC Sacramento. Eighty nine hundred lad. Darren Dami is 7,300, minus 165, and plus 145, respectively. From a look around the industry, everybody is on Duran Dami. Are you? No, no. I'm going to roll with Lad, but I fully understand that it's going to be a difficult spot. And I fully understand if you get a good price on Duran Dami, then, you know, maybe that's that's worth your play. She's got a lot of issues. Yeah, mainly, she's like 22 and owner. It's like stuff in takedowns. I think her mm. last 22 attempts, she stuffed them out. It's like over Nunez the, was the last one to really exploit her. Yeah, over the course of knowledge. the last five fights, she's been stuffing takedowns like no other. And listen, everybody knows that very few people can nor should stand with Duran Dami in the cage. So your only game plan to really defeating her sound is 
you need to pursue those takedowns. And Lad is not exactly great with her takedowns. One no, thing, but though, how many wrestlers has Durandami really taken on? Yeah, see, that's 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 my counter argument. Yeah. There is like Anna Elmos. Was Anna Elmos going to score a takedown? She's going to try, I, I but it's not going to so. work. Yeah, Holly Holm went in that fight with the game plan of. Not I'm a kickboxer. I'm a boxer. She's a kickboxer. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I. And you know, those rounds were so close that she probably. Thought that she won at the end of it. Yeah, of course. I think she thought she was winning the round, so she's yeah. going through the movement. The, there's the motion, sorry. There's two late punches at the end, I believe the second and the third in that fight. And still a lot of people actually did score the fight for Holly Holmes. It's not like it's a whitewash by no, no means by Darren Dami. It's that last fight with Raquel Pennington. I mean, I backed Raquel Pennington under the pretense of be aggressive, back this girl up against the cage, take her down. But, but here's the thing with Raquel Pennington. Even though she has the skill set to go out there and put through that game plan, She's mentally checked out. That fight with Men Nunez was really the end of Raquel Pennington. She missed weight for the fight. She's with the only Dami. one that's freaking actually went the distance with uh, with Nunez recently, though. No, she got finished in the fifth. She was like, "I don't Sorry. want, I don't want to fight a fifth round." Oh, and her true, coaches true. were like, "You should go out there." And I oh, think yeah, that moment they they, they set her in there. To I die. think that moment broke. Everyone else got finished early, though. Yeah. So recently. at that. Yeah, but at that point, she's, like, engaged to Tisha Torres. She's in a title fight. She had the big win over Misha Tate. It's like everything was rolling in Pennington's favor. So she loses the title fight. Yeah, she made it to the fifth round against Nunez. No shame in that. But it's like everything kind of broke apart for her. Her and Tisha Torres split up. She misses weight for the fight with Durandami, and she just didn't look herself. She looks slow. She looks plodding. She looks lethargic. And I think she won the third round based on, on the fact that she was able to control her against the cage and pursue takedowns, not necessarily get takedowns, but kind of get close. But the, the first two rounds, dude, she's hanging out at range. Yeah. Why are you hanging out at range with the Iron Lady? It makes no sense. But again, I feel like that's that's somebody on their that's checked out on their way out. Uh, I fought for a world title. I didn't even come nowhere near getting that world title. What high point can I get to this point after that? <laughs> Whereas Aspen Lai couldn't be any further from that. She's the young prospect, the young up-and-comer coming up. She did not look good against Sinhara Eubanks her last time out. Struggled with the takedowns. Got three of them. Struggled with the takedowns. Striking. Holy shit, dude. She doesn't move her head. And she kind of stands straight up when she exchanges mm -hmm. punches. She leaves her head right there. The other thing that's extremely worrisome is that Eubanks gets to a point where she like only has really one punch. It's just like an overhand right. She just like thunks a big right hand and that is it. And still, Aspen Ladd cannot make any adjustments. Just gets hit. So she tries to stand in front of Duran Dami. She's going to lose the exchanges. Yeah. What people are figuring, and that's why I think there's a lot of love coming in for Darren Dami, is that, yeah, listen, she's made a lot of strides in the takedown defense. Aspen Ladd, not exactly a great wrestler. Aspen Ladd can't really strike with her. So what's this going to be? She's fought the better competition as well. I just feel like Aspen Ladd at the end of the day is strong enough to get her up against the cage. And here's the thing. Ladd doesn't necessarily need the takedown. She's more than willing to hold you up against the cage. She was doing that against Eubanks. Eubanks is a black belt, is actually a world champion jiu-jitsu practitioner. So the ground game leaps and bounds better than Durandami if she gets Durandami down to the ground for whatever reason. Let's call it a catch kick. Let's call it one singular takedown. Let's call it any of that. Her ground and pound is by far her best thing. She is relentless. Not huge on the power, but just volume, volume, volume. Sounds like a women's tennis match. And it sounds like she's playing herself in said women's tennis match. There's a lot of grunting going on, man. And she just, you know, can score. Uh, I think Tanya Evinger dealt with it. Uh, Lena Landsberg dealt with it. Those are big, strong yeah. girls. Lena's not exactly the greatest grappler. Evinger's supposed to be a good grappler. But all I'm saying is once Aspen Lai gets on top of you, it's finito. She just needs to get on top of Durandami. It looks like Durandami's a mush play. A lot of people are looking for a reason to fade my bebe. And I, don't I wasn't going to say go, the M word. But yeah, I don't think it's... It was, dude, everybody's on her. Like everybody's on her and she's plus 145. Let me ask you this, Paul. The odds seem to be... Everybody's on odds. her and the line is moving towards Aspen Ladd. Yeah. So I, I don't... You know what that is? That's sharp money coming it's in for reverse Ladd. Reverse line movement. Yeah, Never so, a good so, so when I hear people break down the fights, they say, you know what? If Ladd can't get the takedown, she's going to have to strike with her. And we all know she's going to lose the striking match. And I, I concur with that. If she has to strike with her, she'll probably lose a striking match. But my counter argument to that is she doesn't need the takedown. She just needs to get her up against the cage. From yeah. there, she'll hold her there. She'll try to grind away. If she does get a takedown, oh, baby. All of if this. not, rinse and repeat. She's young. She can go for days. Durandami's 35. She's known for slowing down. I, I, I can see Lyde getting the win. All right, so all of this basically adds up to, oh, a lot of cage work, a lot of holding up against the DK, cage. DK, don't play it. You don't have to play this main no. event. Maybe, like, it's, she could it's take her dog or pass her, on DK, but I'm probably just going to skip the main event. Get ready to enter the ring. DraftKings and Showtime Boxing have partnered to bring you closer to the action than ever before. Introducing the Showtime Boxing Pick'em Game. 
for every 2019 Showtime boxing event, you can come out swinging. Each fight card is the opportunity to duke it out for your share of $5,000 and a Showtime boxing swag bag. Head to www.draftkings.com showtime to play against this Friday's main event, Jermaine Franklin versus Jerry Forrest in a 10-round heavyweight bout. Well, there's the other thing. Lad's got a hell of a chin on her, so if she does get bombed on, she, if she can take the punches and just roll through, she'll make it a greasy fight. I wouldn't play her for the $8,900 on DraftKings just because... I don't think I'm going to bet this price. main event either, to be perfectly honest. 73 is extremely enticing because you have someone that's being publicly favored, in the, not in the terms of the money line, but I mean, like, a lot of the touts are on her. A lot of the people that are in the community are on her. You're getting a lot of support, and there's a reason why she could win this fight. So why would you want a winner that a lot of people are voicing their opinion in support of for $7,300 mm-hmm. just because it could be a very lackluster affair, which hopefully turns out to go in the favor of Aspen Lab. And if you're the UFC, like, what do you gain from Duran Dami? I mean, the fight with Holm was atrocious. Then she refused to defend the title against Cyborg. So you strip her. She sits on the year for a sideline. By the way, she's not very active. She always takes a year off in between yep. fights. Well, she's like a cop. And then, and then she fights Raquel Pennington. She's a part-time and, fighter, really. Yeah, she's a part-time fighter. She's 35 years old. And listen, her best days are actually her kickboxing career, the Iron Lady, something like 39 and 0, like a hell of a kick. She kicked the fuck out of a man one time, right? And I'm not saying that in like in a surprise sense. I just mean like she was willing to do it on national television because she's an extreme badass. But uh, again, when you start having a second career and this is MMA, that young up and coming line that's always improving, that's always making, like, I expect to see a better version of Lad in this next fight. And I expect to see a be- better version of her in the next fight. And let's say this girl plateaus at 27. She's still got years of experience to be gained. Is she too green right now? I don't want to see her headline a card. I really don't. I love seeing her. But I don't want to see her headline a card in a five-round fight. Uh, people are going to laugh at this main event. They're already laughing that, at this main event. She doesn't need that. She should be third fight down. But they're given to the spotlight. It's her chance to take it and run with it. And hopefully that's what she's planning on doing. We got Ricky Simon taking on Uriah Faber, who returns for the first time since 2016. I didn't realize it was so long ago that he took on Brad Pickett and looked pretty abysmal. And he retired. And for good now reason. He's been gone. Maybe he needed a little bit of extra bank. And Uncle Dana's like, I'll give you 200 grand. Uh, he's taking on Ricky Simon, 9,300. Ricky Simon, minus 345 favorite. Uh, Uriah Faber, 6,900 and plus 285. Obviously, this is in Sacramento. Maybe that's why he wanted to come out of retirement. This is why whenever fighters say that they retire after a fight in the cage, you just have to take it with a grain of salt because these guys, it takes. You know, a couple years later, they get the itch again. They're back in here. Um, it's really hard to think that Uriah Faber has improved since that Brad Pickett fight. And frankly, Brad Pickett was washed at that point. Uriah Faber was washed at that point. Uriah Faber clearly won that fight, but it was, the it was not a great. It was not a great performance. He did not look great. So I'm not expecting much. And Ricky Simon's a guy who has shown to have very, very high IQ. That's the one thing I take away from him. He's Pretty, pretty sharp. He seems to know the right thing. He's a good point fighter. Um, I don't like him as a DraftKings play at 9,300. Maybe Uriah just rolls over, but Simon's not exactly a, a bomber, some sort of big-time power puncher. It'd take a lot of a lot of volume for him to really pay off that 93, or 93 price tag. Um, I'm picking him to win. I don't even know if I really want to parlay him all that much, though. It's in Sacramento. The crowd's going to be behind him. It's a kind of a big profile spot for a guy who hasn't been in this position before. I know he has in the regional scene. He was, you know, up going up the ranks. He was in, was it Legacy? Yeah, he fought uh, yeah, LFA, Leg- Dana White's Contender Series. Yeah, he like he's been, in, he's been in uh, Titan FC. That was one. Uh, he's fought in like pretty high profile fights. So I'm not saying that he's. A complete schlub. But this is going to be a pretty big high profile. And like minus 345 in the other guy's hometown. It's an easy stay away from me. But pick is Simon. What about you? Yeah, listen. 345 on Ricky Simon against anybody. I'm not a huge fan of. I mean, there's a good spot to fade this guy. I think he's young. I think he's developing. I think the skill's there. But like... He's got a couple split decisions on his record recently that uh, he didn't look overly great in. His fight with... Uh, his fight with Gugosh Vili, he, he is literally one second away from losing said fight. The fight with Ronnie, yeah, 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 you're right. He fought a, he fought a good game plan. Um, yeah, you see the progress, 26 years old. You see the wrestling, you see the striking, you see everything kind of develop. He is in many ways what Uriah Faber has been molding in his gym the last... 10, 15 years. He's a short, stout, stocky wrestler, big overhand right, uh, a couple decent punches standing, good cardio, young, aggressive, coming up the ranks. And Faber left this sport for a reason. 
He realized that those guys are the future. The last time around, you arrive here and says, you know what? I want one more rodeo. I want one more. And they, they do him a great favor here. We're, we're going to give you Brad Pickett, a guy that's also on his way out. It's a retirement fight probably for the both of you guys, realistically, even though Pickett refused to retire afterwards. And he's becomes one of the very few people that retires coming off a win. Like, how awesome is that? You get the victory. You're able to put your gloves down and say, you know what? But the problem with coming off a win and retiring is that you stay up at night and you think, Fuck, man, I can still fight those guys. I won the last fight. Oh, I can still. When you, when you get flash KO'd or when you're just like the beating gets put on you, you say, yeah, I'm not interested in having that happen again. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that the conversation, it might have been Uriah Faber saying, hey, I want back in 200 grand, 200 grand. I got the itch. I'm coming off a win. I want in. I get more so the impression that the UFC was like, oh my God, we're in Sacramento and we have nothing on this card. Our main event is Aspen Ladd versus Jermaine Durandamy. And that's something I forgot to mention. Aspen Ladd's not from Sacramento, but she's like a 20-minute drive outside of Sacramento and trains in Sacramento. So if this fight ends up being a greasy main event that goes five, they're going to give it to her. I think so. But back to Faber, can he force that same greasy type fight? I, I I don't think so. Again, I'd be looking to fade Simon depending on who the opponent is if he was 345. Yeah. But with Uriah Faber, it's like the service that we gave you against Brad Pickett, that's gone, dude. You want to come back, you're coming back right into the mix. He didn't look great two and a Pitt. half years ago. How how could we possibly think that he's going to look now? Yeah, and, and there's a difference between being like, oh, you know what? That's a long layoff. And Juliana Pena, young, who we're going like to talk about. 23, yeah, yeah. that type of time. Juliana Pena, we'll get to her ring rust, but it's like, I think everybody deals with ring rust in their own ways but i think he'll be dealing with ring rust and a regressed skill set listen the he's like a nearly 40 year old bantamweight he is 40 and is he 40 already yeah i'm pretty sure he's 40 years old and also when you think about it it's like well what was he best at like back in the day and i mean like in the wbc days or like in the ufc when he was rolling it's like oh dude the guy's a great wrestler his wrestling is not wrestling in the ufc standard anymore he cannot take these guys down maybe brad pickett the rest of these guys he can't take down well, he's got that. He's got that big uppercut, that big right hand. It's been snuffed out. It worked for a little bit. Chad Mendez was using it. He just retired as well, by the way. Uriah Faber is using it. Those stocky guys were using it, but it gets figured out. And eventually, it's just he himself got really stagnant. His last couple of fights, he gets just completely torched. Uh, the fight with Jimmy Rivera, it's like it really goes to show like leg kicks. He couldn't even deal with leg kicks. Wrestling's not a factor anymore. The punching power, like when has he ever really rocked a guy? Michael McDonald, right? And then he gets a submission off of that. But like that that sneaky alpha male guillotine, do those guys even get that anymore? No. So what I'm getting at is you got a card here where you got uh, Josh Emmett, he's an alpha male guy. You got Darren Elkins is an alpha male guy. You got alpha male guys on it. Why not put the team leader? But the team leader is being fed to the wolves here in that young hungry line. So you're saying pass. I'm going to say Ricky Simon. Ricky Simon by decision. I got to get better value on yeah. that. And as far as uh, as far as the DraftKings goes, I'd love to play. I'd love to fade Faber and take the other guy. But ninety three hundred dollars, like Faber's still durable, and Faber kind of matches up with this guy. Three Same round skill fight, set, just like less. He's got to do a lot of work to score that. Yeah, yeah. Listen, is he going to score ten takedowns on Faber? No. No, he's not going to. In fact, he might score a couple and there's going to be some cage control and there's going to be a lot of... What you're seeing too, my last thing here, is that with guys like Uriah Faber, right? What did we just see this past weekend with Gilbert Melendez versus Arnold Allen? Arnold Allen's not even really the shit. He's a young prospect who's developing. That's not even a top 15 guy, but Gil's been away for a couple of years. Gil yeah, used the to games be, pass him by. Gil used to be a good wrestler and Gil used to have some wild striking and force the action. Gil and, looked... BJ Penwash. He looked BJ Penwash. And then we look at some of the other guys in recent memory that have come back and have taken on these tough tasks. And it's just, it's happening to all of them almost, right? Maybe a Noguera can go out and get a win over Sam Alvey. But then in his very next fight, you see the guy that's going to show up on most nights. Mm-hmm. So it's a crapshoot. Unless you're just a diehard Uriah Faber fan, you want money on him. I, I would say you're going to pass on this fight. Or you're going to take Ricky Simon. And because the price is yeah. not all that attractive, I would take it by decision and pass on the DraftKings side of it. Mursad Bektic takes on Josh Emmett. Mursad Bektic is 8,800 minus 165 favorite. Emmett is 7,400 and plus 145. What you take here? Yeah, I, you know what? I used to consider myself a good talent scout. You know, you watch regional MMA and you spot guys and you're like, this guy's going to make it to the UFC. And then it's like, dude, everybody makes it to the UFC. So it's like you're trying to spot guys. Now, yeah. yeah, you're trying to spot guys where it's like, this guy's going to be a contender, right? And then there's always those guys where you're like, this guy's going to be a world champion. And it could be a guy like Justin Scoggins. It could be a guy like uh, Zabit Magomed Sharapov. Or in, I think, a lot of people's cases, in my own, I thought Mirsad Bektic was going to be the shit. And he's good. 
He's talented. It's just I don't think he'll ever reach the levels that maybe we put on him. Mm -hmm. uh, the comeback against Darren Elkins aside, it's that I feel like he plateaued. He got a lot of injuries. It, he was at American Top Team, and he was like one of the post. They, they said this is the most talented guy in the gym, yeah. American Top Team. And then you, you don't really see it out of. You might see glimpses. The Godofredo Pepe fight. Remember that body shot? Like just nasty. That was Pepe though. It's like Pepe. Pepe either caught you in some sort of crazy <laughs> yeah, submission, right, right. or he, he ate shit in the first round. And he's dead. But here's the thing with with uh with Bekic it's like here's a Bosnian born guy that moved to fucking Nebraska and is raised in Nebraska so not only does he have a cast iron will but like he knows how to wrestle then when you see the Pepe fight it's like dude his striking is just improving leaps and bounds working the body in that spot finish him in like three minutes into the first round he's putting it all together there's little spots of does he burn himself is his cardio great I don't know there's little spots of did he make a bad decision there some ring IQ the Lamas fight he's torching Lamas on the feet and then he continuously just switches to the takedown. I, I I don't know. He's a work in progress still, but he's had enough time in the UFC now that it's like you really do want to see those improvements out of him. So then he ditches out on American Top Team and he goes to TriStar in Montreal. His last fight versus Lamas was at TriStar. I didn't think he looked good, but Lamas is a tough contender, right? He's the kind of guy that's hard to look great against for most people. So in Bektich's case, he gets the split decision, should have been unanimous, but not a great outing from him. Stays at TriStar. Wasn't hard for Josh Emmett to look good against Lamas. <laughs> Just saying. So that's what I'm getting at here is that we've got Mursad Bektich who can wrestle, he can strike, but he, is he going to out wrestle Emmett? Maybe he could, but Emmett can wrestle. He's at is a he gym gonna, filled with guys. Is that he going to out strike Josh Emmett? Thing. I think he could outpoint Josh Emmett mm -hmm. striking. I think he's got the cleaner hands. But the that thing runs is, is him that, into some danger. Is that he's going to start to fade. He always starts to fade. And once he starts fading in that third round, that's when Emmett's power becomes a problem. Because, yeah, he starts as Lomas in the first round. But how is that power going to carry through? He's easily down two rounds against Michael Johnson. And he fucks Michael Johnson up. And, and Johnson's got a good chin on him, too. So it's like this guy's power. Also... That fight against Michael Johnson, think about it, dude. He himself got absolutely sparked, and he's on the coming back, and he's talking about how, you know, a part of me was like, am I, am I doing this? And he's getting a little bit older, and he's got ring rust. He doesn't look good early against Johnson, but he, he finds a way. This version of him, he's at home, technically speaking. They're fighting in California, uh, and he's an alpha male guy. So he's at home. There's not less ring rust, you know. He's going to be in good shape. If he just stretches Bektich out, and he can spark him late, you got dog money on him, $7,400. I mean, if you're talking about a guy that's good savings on DraftKings, that could get a finish, that could get the win, matches up very good in this spot. It's and Josh has massive ceiling Ed. here with, with the heaters that he's capable of he, doing. He can knock them fuck out. Also, if you just want to throw in like little X factors that probably don't mean a whole lot, he's a great trading partner of Darren Elkins, and the game plan is stretch this motherfucker out and take him out in the third round. So I it wish, becomes a problem. Also, TriStar's not on a good roll right now. The guys have been I was I was going to say, I wish he was still... I, I wish this guy was still at ATT. <coughs> ATT is the he best stole, gym stole, in MMA right now. It's not even words, close. Yeah, stole the words out of my mouth. It's just like ATT is the best gym. He, like Mike Brown has just been making the best game plans for everybody. Like people are going in, having performances of their life. I know JDS got knocked out against Francis Ngannou, but like Francis has got that death touch. Like that's going to happen. Uh, of course. And I think when you're there, it's like I've just got a plethora of guys I can work with that are in my weight class. They're hungry contenders. He's only still, what, 28 years old? Like there's there's still progression to be made. But now you put him on TriStar, it's like, well, where are their guys at? Well, Rory just had a very, I don't know, his last fight was all right, I guess, but like un uninspired for the most part. Uh, the rest of the team, the Eamons, the Hobbies of the world, the Joseph Duffies of the world, uh, they're just, you, you see, you see the cracks split. prospect, frankly. And there was guys like Robert Whitaker that were going down there and uh, Nas Nasparat? Nasparat Hackbrest. Thank you, Paul. That's why we do the show together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's like there, there's the odd guy, but those guys are leaving as well. Whitaker's not there anymore. Nazareth, he spends a little bit of time here and there. But, you know, at the same time, it's like, yeah, yeah. I, I, am, I, am I inspired by that? No. So I'm going to not go balls out here. And I, I am still going to say Merced Bektich does get a job. He's got the superior skill set. He's younger, better wrestler, better striker. It's going to be a decision. I do believe Bektich is kind of a decision guy. But am I worried about Josh Emmett? Oh, yeah. And if Emmett was better than 145, I think I would take the play. But, like, this is this shows people are betting Josh Emmett. They realize that he's he's got the skills to defeat Bektich, but I'll ride the prospect here. It's a dogger pass for me there. I, well, I, wouldn't, lay, I wouldn't lay the sense on uh, Merced Bektich. We got uh, Carl Roberson taking on Wellington Terman. Carl Roberson, 9,100, minus 225 favorite. Wellington Terman is 7,100 and plus 185. Um, this guy Wellington ain't too bad. 
he's not the worst guy I've ever seen. Um, you know, he's a Brazilian, somewhat of a, you know, he's like 15 and two record. Yeah, good record. Um, I was pretty happy, especially his last fight. So he's taking on Marcio Lioto, uh, former uh, Ultimate Fighter Brazil finalist. Finalist, yeah. And um, And I think that's pretty similar stylistic matchup as Carl Roberson. Uh, Roberson's obviously a kickboxer style. Uh, The other guy likes to be a bit of a karate. But it's just like, I think it was pretty similar in terms of like what to kind of expect from this guy. And he kind of held his own, this Wellington Termon guy. I'm not playing Carl Roberson minus 225. Um, Termon really needs to grab the clinch when he does get into the clinch. He's got some decent trips and stuff. He doesn't have classic wrestling from what I have seen. But um, obviously he runs into the risk of trying to break that distance, trying to get it up against the cage, trying to go for that trip of eating elbows and other shit as he tries to go in. But that's the game that we play here. Another situation where I think the 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 favorite is just too juiced. It's dog or pass. Um, I may have to do a little bit more research on Termon, but I could see it being a sneaky play. What about you? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't necessarily disagree. I mean, as somebody who will likely take Carl Roberson, I'm going to be sweating it out. I mean, Roberson's got a lot of issues with him. Namely, once they get him on the ground, they submit him. And uh, you're talking about Brazilians and doing so. Cesar Ferreira takes him down first round, arm triangle choke. Glover takes Sarah. He almost murders Glover takes Sarah with those elbows, those Travis Brown-style elbows. Glover rolls over, gets back up, takes him down, gets on top of him. Arm triangle choke, same thing. When I watch uh, Wellington Thurman, a lot of his wins by submission, if he gets you on the ground, it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem for Roberson. It's going to be a problem for some of the lower-level guys in this division. Roberson's a kickboxer. We know he's a kickboxer. So he can keep the feet, the fight standing. He's I, much better standing. If this fight ends up on the ground, he's going to be in a lot of trouble. Thurman's wrestling's not great. You totally nailed it with he loves clinch-style trips. He'll just mm-hmm. try to get double unders on you. He'll go to the outside. He'll go to the inside. And I see when he gets double unders, he'll just lift a guy up and just shuck him. And it's very effective, especially against these taller guys. But Roberson kind of fits that mold of, ta- uh, of a taller guy. The reason I'm going to go with Roberson is that Roberson spends all of his time, Nick Catone, MMA, the guys in Jersey, and he's like best friends with uh, Corey Anderson. To think that this guy's not working on his wrestling would be foolish. Terman's coming in on a week's notice. Also, he's got a ballooned up 15-2 and two record, and he's replacing John Phillips. So when you think about that for a second, Carl Roberson's 1-2 and two in the... No, he's 2-2. Two and two. He beat uh, Darren Stewart in his debut. But they gave him Jack Marshman, right? And he beats Jack Marshman, loses to Glover. And then they were going to give him John Phillips. Like, dude, they like this guy. They like this guy, and they want to see him progress. He got the win on the I contender think, series. I think you're overthinking that. Listen, dude, you, bring in, they, you bring in a week's notice. Dude, they're notice literally the just filling a freaking card here. Yeah, with a guy. It's not like, oh, we love this guy. Let's, uh, yeah, let's set him up against John Phillips. No, they contractually had those guys, when they sent them the message, they're like, hey, are you willing to fight this guy? They're like, yes. Like, we have a main event between Aspen Ladd and Jermaine Durandami on this card. Like, yeah, yeah. Fair. Let's not be, let's not be like, oh, they're really trying. I think this is just a mismatch of just like, hey, these guys need fights. Okay, 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 fair. Right. This is a mismatch of shit. I think your narrative is a little, little, little bit nuts there. All I'm saying is, fair, I'm I'm glad that you're calling me out. Aspen Ladd versus Jermaine Durandamy, we got one girl from California, it's a fight that has divisional standings, it's on the main card. You got Uriah Faber, he's from from Sacramento, I should say, he's a legend of the sport, against the up-and-coming Ricky Simon, it makes sense it's on the main card. Uh, Mursad Bektic versus Josh Emmett, a 28-year-old prospect, and Mursad Bektic people are high up on. Josh Emmett, again, fighting out of Sacramento, uh, an exciting fighter. It makes total, they're both established. It's a good fight. It makes total sense that this is on the main card. Why the fuck would John Phillips versus Carl Roberson be on the main card? Because it was going to be a fun banger. Do you really think these things through on a lot of these cards, man? There's so much content. There's cards every single week. They're just filling slots. Okay. They okay, need 12 fights. Okay. They need 12 fights. They don't have 12 people from yeah, yeah. Sacramento to put in every single fight, so they have to fill in some other guys. Okay. But like, well, this is a much, I'll, take, I'll take Roberson. This is a much different matchup, though. Like, yeah, he's fighting a guy that's coming in from Brazil on a week's notice that's 22 years old, Paul. He cannot strike. Marcio Lioto, you're right. He wobbles him with a left hook. Yep. That ends up getting him to the ground, and then he chokes him out with the rear naked choke. Not bad. But it's a herky-jerky left hand that lands. Also, Marcio Alexander is a guy that fought in the UFC at 170 pounds and lost his fights in the UFC and then got cut. Moves up to 185, and he takes out this guy. Roberson's going to be a different animal. You're laying minus 225 here? No, I don't like the price, but no, no, no. I'm just not taking Wellington Terman, so we can move on from there. So you're picking 
to make it clear, you're picking Roberson to win, but you, you don't like the price. When was the last time I've said I like the price? They're all steamed by the time we do this show. Yeah. None of these prices are appealing. I'm giving you my sure. pick. It's Carl Roberson. Cool. Let's move on. We got Marvin Vittori taking on Cesar Ferreira. Vittori is 8,600 and minus 150 favorite. Ferreira, 7,600 and plus 130. I mean, is he going to get knocked out? It's very possible. He's going to take him down and beat him, or he's not going to take him down. He's going Vittori to get against Omariak Medov. Yeah, brutal. Um, he made some big mistakes, which I hope he doesn't make against a guy like Cesar Ferreira. It's like he, he tried to basically pull guard against Akhmedov in like round one where he's like going for an arm bar and just like if you do that you let Ferreira get you to the ground like you're in for quite a bit of trouble but like Ferreira's uh, ability to take damn I'm coming off of getting absolutely lambasted by uh by by betting Chinny Luke so I'm a little bit hesitant this week and especially with a guy like Ferreira I think he can get in deep. I think he can potentially get the takedown. But Vittori does have a decent get-up game. Not exactly a murderous power puncher. It doesn't take much against Cesar Ferreira. I am leaning Marvin Vittori, but I don't feel great about it. What about you? Yeah, I'm going to take Marvin Vittori. Do I feel great about it? No, I also don't feel great about it. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah, Cesar Ferreira, listen, there was a time where it's like, okay, he can't take a punch anymore, so he switches up his game plan and just goes to the grappling. And it's effective. Taking guys down. He's a great athlete. He always shows up in great shape. He's jacked. Plows you to the ground and he tries to cement you. And then and then it progresses one step further than that, where it's like he does get them to the ground, but doesn't submit them when he gets there. And, and then and then he's shot. Uh his fight with Elias Theodora was the big eyes eye opener of why you should never bet this guy ever. Uh struggles mightily in all departments against Elias. Does get him down, can't submit him. The fight with Ian Heinish, again, another example of if I struggle at all to get you down, I ain't going to stand with you. It's just the way it is. He just crumples under the, that pressure. I see that pressure from Marvin Vittori. Again, this kid's green. This kid probably shouldn't have been to the, signed to the UFC when he did. Uh, Italian prospect training out of King's MMA. Now the California guy, so maybe there's some type of rub there for him. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But he's just so young, he's making issues. The big one was I watched him live UFC 207 against Antonio Carlos Jr. First two rounds. It's up in the air, dude. you got to stuff some takedowns here in the third... Tired, no ability to stuff the takedown, doesn't even really try, just mm -hmm. lets it happen. The fight with Vitor Miranda, that guy can't wrestle at all. Still only wins the decision against old man Vitor, the K1 kickboxer from Brazil. Fair. The fight with Amari Akhmedov, he loses the first two rounds on the basis of he's trying to grapple Akhmedov and losing, but he doesn't do anything, Paul. There's no volume, there's no urgency, there's Until no sense of... And then in the third eight. round, yeah, I don't know if he realizes, fuck, I'm about to lose this fight. I gotta but try to finish him. Yeah, he but doesn't, he, but he gets a 10-8. He puts it on him. That's the only reason he gets the draw. And then, curiosity enough, he loses a split to Israel Adesanya. So when you look at, like, where have both guys gone since then, this kid's only 25. Mm -hmm. You know, he was, he, where's the progression? But it's just like plagued with injuries, sitting on the sideline, uh, not rushing back to action. Whereas Adesanya has captured the moment and captured the imagination of fight fans all over the globe. So, do I still think Vittori? I can't. I don't think Vittori can get to that level. Don't get me wrong. But like, should he be on the path of still getting better and still progressing and still rising up through the ranks? I, I don't see why not. Mm -hmm. With Caesar Ferreira, he's a one-trick pony, nice. and that's he needs to get those takedowns and be effective with them. And where it has worked against Vittori, it has. And to be honest, it's not the worst play in the world if you were to go Ferreira. The price is not good enough on the dog side for Ferreira. And I do feel that Vittori, surely his, he's going to come with the game plan of keep this guy. Even if you do get taken down, Vittori hasn't shown. He lasted on the ground with Antonio Carlos Jr. Getting taken down by Ferreira, not the end of the world. But no. you need to just play your cool and chill out. Don't let him set up that arm and triangle. He loves the arm and triangle. If you've seen those pythons on the guy, like he can squeeze. Don't give him that opportunity. And if you do give him that opportunity, he'll squeeze his arms out if he doesn't get the submission. So Vittori might be in a sticky situation early. I think he pulls through based on the cardio, the, the youth, the athleticism, the striking advantage. And, you know, eventually pulls away with it. So, Simon Vittori, where I say I don't like a whole lot of prices, like 150 is not all that bad. No, it isn't. But, you know, he's coming off a year and three month layoff. Didn't, shouldn't have had a split against Idisanya. I don't think so. I don't so. mind and taking these young kids it, on long ex layoffs. Exactly, though. exactly. Is that the time off? Probably good for him. He's yeah. still very green. Probably added a and lot of tools that you didn't see the last time he was out. He's fought. You yeah. hope at least. Yeah, think about it. He was 24 years old and his fights in the UFC. 
BJJ Black Belt World Champion Antonio Carlos Jr., who he lost a decision with. Uh, former K1 striking standout Vitor Miranda. That was not as impressive. Sambo World Champion Omari Akhmedov and future world title challenger, potentially world challenge, uh, world champion, but title challenger, Israel Adesanya. So, like, he's, he's fighting really good guys. He's just not at that level. Time off might have helped him. So, give me a shot on the Italian stallion Marvin Vittori. We got Mike Rodriguez taking on John Allen. Uh, Mike Rodriguez, 9,400 and a minus 420 favorite. John Allen is 6,800 and plus 335. Massive reach advantage here for Rodriguez. He has like 82 and a half. I believe John Allen has like 75. So seven and a half inch reach advantage for Rodriguez. But 420 to lay on this guy is kind of crazy. The other guy, uh, John Allen doesn't look too bad. Uh, I forget who he was fighting the fight that his most recent the fight. The Contender Series boat? Um, oh, yeah, go on. His most recent bet that you saw? Yeah. Was I'll that? Just, I'm just going to bring it up. The Contender Series? Yeah, fight? well, I'm just going to bring it up right here. Either way. Whatever um, whatever fight, I just like, he didn't yeah. look he didn't look too bad. No, no, no. So like, what, what, I, I just don't understand this line. It seems, I know that's like super late notice and yada, 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 but like, it seems kind of egregious to me. Mine, I'm not, I will never. In the UFC, I will not lay minus 420 on Mike Rodriguez against anybody. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. Fair enough. Fair I enough. I don't think I'm going to bet this dog, but like if it gets up to like plus 500, okay, let's go. It's not going to. If it does, I'm in. If it doesn't, it's a pass. Yeah, listen, you got Mike Rodriguez. I'm passing a lot on this card, but like. It's because you got torched on the last year. It's because I got, I, I you're got like, absolutely you're like, murdered. Fuck, man. I don't want to go out there and put my hat on somebody. Well, I'm just not going to. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to bet much on this card this week. No, listen. Honest, the, the, the price is not great again. But Mike Rodriguez, uh, he's, he's clearly should be the favorite. Yeah, what I, what I noticed against John Allen is that John Allen is just a bruiser. A Brazilian bruiser. Gets in there and just slugs with you. He was on Contender Series against Vinicio, Vinicius Moreira who is the guy that ended up just getting blasted by Eric Andrews. Mm -hmm. And in that fight, he is putting it on him, and then he gets taken down and ends up getting submitted with a triangle choke. So it's like he cannot grapple, but, like, he's a fun, plotting... But he doesn't need to grapple against that's why our it's a boy Mike Rodriguez. That's, that's right? why it's a fun fight. But yeah. if you're Mike Rodriguez, you're coming off a fight where it's like, man, these guys are just going to try to grapple me. So Rodriguez doesn't want to be grappled. He's got, like, a six-inch height advantage and, like, a seven-inch reach advantage. Yeah, he a... is absolutely gigantic he throws flying knees and shit uh his last fight against uh Millsap. i don't think he's that gigantic he's tall well yeah, yeah I, like, I mean i mean i mean in proportion to his opponent he comes in at like 203 for these weigh-ins and stuff like he's six foot four with an 82 and a half inch he's probably a natural 195er <laughs> A natural. He's six foot four. I mean, like, so, I mean, if if he was if able the, to do a, sure, he probably can't sure. cut to one eighty five. He probably could cut right. to one ninety five and just be super tall at that weight class. But yeah, so his on his contender series fight, he takes on Jamel Jones and he just sparks him with a flying knee. His first fight against Devin Clark, he, he can't really wrestle. You know, he's a big, tall, rangy striker who's got some flashy moves, but like that's just a bad stylistical matchup for him. And Devin Clark shouldn't be laughed at. He got some wins and over this level of competition and that style. Clark's going to come away with it. And he does. And then the next fight with Adam Milstead. Milstead's a training partner of Stipe. Milstead's a guy that fought at heavyweight. And he's down at 205 and just like completely runs through and retires him. Supposed to take on Jean Vellante in this spot. And that's going to be a fun fight. You know, you got the old dog Vellante who was always down for a war versus this guy. Doesn't want to be grappled. Vellante's not going to try grappling him. Going to be a fun fight. So you replace Vellante, you get John Allen. Still going to be a fun fight. But Allen's going to have a hell of a time coming through in that reach. The other thing, yeah. too, is that Allen's real wild, Brazilian bruiser. He's not throwing straight punches. He throws looping punches. And when you throw looping punches against a taller guy, you're going to get fucking smacked, dead smacked down the pipe by linear punches. So I think that that's what is going to happen here. I think Rodriguez is just going to touch him up. Rodriguez, too, hit him with something. Rodriguez could knock him out. But you're absolutely right. Like, why would you want to pay minus 400 on Mike Rodriguez? It's nuts. It's nuts. The $9,400, he's got the upside that he could get the finish. Sure. But it's not like John Allen's the, the biggest putts in the world. And the back end of your lineup gets a Affected severely by having Mike Rodriguez at that price. Yeah, the alum is sixty eight hundred on John Allen is like I don't want it, but it is pulling me in, dog. Like if you're playing multiple lineups, John Allen's going to be on some of those lineups. Even though I, I do believe Mike Rodriguez's height, reach, uh, athleticism, and the fact that he's had a full camp versus John Vellante versus a guy that's coming in from Brazil, 
taking the fight at a week's notice. We got Shaman Marais taking on Andre Touchy-Feely. Shaman Marais, 8,400 minus 120 favorite. Andre Feely, 7,800 plus 100. Shaman Marais, just you know, look, at, like, look at the stats there. We got 42.88 points he's per so, fight. so talented. Two and two. No, he's very, very talented. No he's a very, very good fighter. His two losses against Zabit and Sadiq Yusuf, no shame in any of that. Yeah. This guy's a very, very good fighter. Terrible DraftKings player, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, unless you think that he gets a knockout against Andre Feely. I'm actually almost intrigued by Feely here. Yeah. Because I think Feely's game plan is Feely's had a similar, great dog run, man. similar to some of his other more recent fights where he's really started to mix in the wrestling and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think he's going to go after takedowns. Is he going to be able to take down Shaman Rice? Potentially. Um, I'm interested in Feely as a dog play on DraftKings, if anything, here. What about you? Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. When you look at Feely, it's like a lot of the time you get a good price on him, and this is a guy that has good ring IQ. If he if he can outstrike you from distance and not have to mix it up, he'll do that. If at, he's giving up the striking advantage, he'll take you down. He mixes in that good blend. There's certain fights like uh, the Dennis Bermudez fight, the Michael Johnson fight, the Miles Juries fight. Those guys can all wrestle, competent wrestlers. Dennis Bermudez is a great wrestler. Feely gets him down. Michael Johnson, he's a striker now, but he comes from a wrestling base. Takes him down. That last fight against Miles Jury, not known for his wrestling, but a guy that's competent. And Feely just made him look awful. Mm -hmm. Like, I I remember watching Miles Jury and thinking, wow, he is getting thoroughly outclassed. The Bermudas fight, close, but Feely just got way higher ring IQ than Dennis Bermudas, but a better game plan. And his whole damn for- team is getting ready for this exact yeah, day. Yeah, and, and the Michael Johnson fight, he loses, but it's a split, and like there's a full-on argument that maybe he should have gotten that split. And if that fight happens in Sacramento, where all your buddies are on the card, you, you're probably going to get it. So now you have a spot here where it's like, ooh, you'd want him for maybe a little bit of a better price. But the problem with Shaman Rice is better striker than Feely? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Hard to take down? Yeah, for sure. But he doesn't do enough. You know, it's a lot of it's a lot of standing there and watching you and waiting for you to make a move. And listen, is he a skilled counterpuncher? Yes. And is the guy very durable? Yeah, outside of Zabit submitting him, very durable. But you don't want Feely on top of you. So if Feely does get the takedown, I'm giving the advantage on the grappling exchanges to Feely. And as far as stand-up goes... Even though I fully admit, Feely is not the better striker. He's rangier, and he doesn't mind sitting on the outside, touching you up, trying to make you make a mistake. I feel like you can wait on it and get a little bit better of a price on mm-hmm. Feely, but what? I'm not taking any dogs to this point. So even though he's only plus 100, uh, I feel like that's that's one I can I can get behind. Juliana Pena takes on Nico Montano. Juliana Pena, 9,000 minus 165 favorite. Nico Montano, 7,200 plus 145. Pena hasn't fought in like over two years. She had a kid. Um, she's been doing some commentating for Combache. Holy shit. Combate oh, Americas yeah, yeah. or whatever. Nuts. Nuts. Um, um, she's super slow. Montano obviously won the 125-pound belt against Roxanne Modifier. He put up 158 points in that performance. If you prorate that out, she would have got like 95 points in a three-rounder. Uh, maybe you take away the takedowns. It's the three takedowns I believe that she landed, you bring her down to like 80. But if she fights with that type of significant strike pace, I think she can eke out a victory against Pena, especially coming off of this massive layoff and everything like that. I do can do. I am concerned that Montano is way too small, that uh, Pena moves her up against the cage, kind of bullies her, muscles her. That's her game. But if Montano is going to be fast enough on the feet, I think she's uh, definitely live at 145. What about you? Yeah, no way. I'm going with Juliana Pena. And shout out to Matt Locke. If he's watching the show right now and you go down to the comment sections, you'll see Juliana Pena is his bebe. I've been hoping this girl is going to come back for a long time. She possesses one of the few skill sets that nobody has in this division that's ultra effective. She's real strong. She's able to just peel you to the ground. When she gets on top of you, she's relentless. She would have been a title challenger. I don't know that she would have won the title, but she would have definitely challenged for a title by this point had she not had a kid. Um, the Shevchenko, really? hundred percent. Shevchenko made her look like a, like a putz. First round, she takes down Shevchenko, and it's like, damn. I thought Juliana Pena won the first round. Second round, she takes down Shevchenko, and is en route to doing the same thing. And Shevchenko snacks up an armbar from the back. It's like, oh fuck. Shevchenko is more than just a, a kickboxer. She's got good grappling, and Pena's like, oh damn, you know. But like, she was taking her down and having her way because she's just much larger than Shevchenko. And Shevchenko eventually went down to 125 pounds. When you look at Amanda Nunes, Amanda Nunes has cleared out the division. I mean, she's fought Holly Holmes. She's fought Ronda Rousey. She had to move up to fight Cyborg. She fought Raquel Pennington. Uh, Who else could she have possibly fought by now? 
But you know, if Juliana Pena was still competing over that course of time, she would have got her shot just just by virtue of there not really being anybody else. I do believe she would have been a title challenger at some point. But again, I think her skill set's huge. She is not like a Tatiana Suarez wrestler, but the game plan's the same. Try to lean up on these people. I don't like her striking. I hate her footwork. But she's always moving forward. The other thing is, she's legitimately crazy. Nuts. Nuts. I've interviewed her on a couple of occasions, both times, fucking nuts. Uh, she one time shattered a glass with her bare hand watching a Ronda Rousey fight because of her pure hatred for Ronda Rousey. Remember, she was trying to get that fight for a long time. Um, then, then she gets arrested for beating up two male bouncers at a nightclub, right? Um, they had it coming. Yeah. And meanwhile, one of her training partners is like spitting blood on a window. Like, she's batshit crazy. And then she gets knocked up. I feel so bad for the guy because she's freaking insane, okay? But I love that fire out of her, Paul. And, and you got a bit of a crush here. I'm scared of her. Yeah. And that is a little bit hot. <laughs> okay. But getting back to the matchup at stake, Nico Montano, 125, right? She was able to snag up this this belt, but we all, knew, yeah, we all knew it wasn't for real. We all knew she wasn't going to compete at that level. She, what was she when she came on the show? Three and two? Like she had an abysmal professional She's record. Four and two now. No experience and at 125 pounds. Then she botches a weight cut. Doesn't ever defend her title. Has some health problems. She's not a huge 25er. Couldn't make the weight. Moves up to 135. And Pena is big, man. Mm -hmm. She's big. She's strong. Size She's got it going on. Factor here, especially because if you oh, like, size will be everything. If you the think ring of like, rust is the question. If you think That's of like Kiesa versus Sanchez this last week, maybe like yeah, maybe maybe Montano is able to female, survive like this. Female Mike Kiesa, by the way. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Is that maybe Montano is able to survive down there, but there's going to be a massive strength disparity if Pena gets it to the ground. Yeah, and 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 I just mean like the Ultimate Fighter. Right? I'm not betting Pena though. Not after two and a half years and. Not coming off of having a kid? Are you crazy? Yeah, I know what you're saying. I just mean, when you look at her last three fights... You hate the old people. You hate old people who have babies as well. No, I don't know if I'd go that far. I I'm mean, just I'm just saying, when you look at... When you look at her last... She's only 29 years old, so when you say old, you're totally off there. When you look at her last three opponents. Jessica I, former former world title challenger, didn't go good. Kat Zingano, former world title challenger, actually surprisingly went even worse. And Valentina Shevchenko, current world champion, two-time world challenger at a weight class, or one-time world challenger at 35. It was like she, she was fighting the best girls and she didn't look out of place. The two years off, yes, problem. However, 27 to 29, not the end of the world. How many girls have come back from having a kid? Yeah, surprisingly lots of them. So it's not as if she just had the kid and has been sitting on the sidelines. She had the kid a year ago. She's back in shape. Wait to see her on the scales, but I, I honestly don't think that's going to be an issue. Um, How many have won a title while having a kid? How many of them have won a title after? How many UFC champions ch champions have been moms? Um, Pretty sure it's zero. Yeah, but I mean, how many how many world champions have the UFC had? You can name them all on probably one hand, Paul. So no, Jessica Andrade and Rose Namajunas, Joanna and Jacek, Valentina Shevchenko, Ronda Rousey, and I rest my case. Nico Montano, Nico Montano and me. Uh, listen, listen. <laughs> We can we can also say Jermaine Durandam is a champion as well. You can pick your battles. Yeah, I, I'm gonna go with Juliana Pena on the size that she's gonna be bigger. She's you gonna play it. Yeah, I'm gonna play it. 65, mm -hmm. 65 is not a bad price. Nine thousand. She's a decision machine. I don't like that, but she also scored a lot of takedowns, lots of ground and pound. The problem is, is that she could gas, and I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt it because the After way she fights. Yeah, the way she fights is like she's not leaving no energy for the swim back home. She's trying to take your head off at all times, right? Even though she's not the most technical girl going, she makes up with that with the brute force and the strength, and those are my style of plays. So, I'm, I'm I'll take Pena. I see some people going against her. That's fine. That's why I'm getting a a reasonable price. I think Ryan Hall takes on Darren Elkins, eighty three hundred minus one fifteen for Hall. Pretty much a pick him, seventy nine hundred minus one oh five. Elkins, interesting matchup. Extremely interesting. Most Hall fights are, but this one is just another Hall one. Like spamming long line. a lot of kicks because he's not worried about you taking him down. Darren, the damage likes to take you down, but like, is he gonna want to go in that guard? Like, that's how you get in trouble. So. Even like cage work gets dangerous against Ryan Hall, where it's just like if you start going up, he'll, he'll just like roll, like jump down, grab an ankle, spider monkey to your back. Like it's Could a he's a super risky, risky fight. I think Darren Elkins has more tools 
to to pull it off. But you know, in terms of dy- dynamic finishing ability, Ryan Hall, first person to you know submit the, uh, BJ Penn. Um, he's yeah, the guy's well, a, like, the guy's a like stud. Nothing. Like, the guy's ooh. a stud. If he gets it to the ground, he's actively always trying to get it to the ground. Or at least like he doesn't have much of a wrestling game, so like he's gonna like flop to his back. Elkins is an old savvy veteran. Like I'm interested to see who you like in this one. To be perfectly honest, like I am, I'm getting. Maybe it's just I like Darren Elkins, but I'm leaning towards him. But maybe I'm completely off base because Hall is dangerous, and I could see Elkins getting caught in something. Yeah, Hall is always dangerous. It doesn't matter who you are. At least he's got the X factor of, like, literally anybody in the world. He he could just flop to his back and get a leg lock. Beyond that, leg locks are not even his game, man. Like, he's no. a 50-50 guard guy. When he takes your back, that's when you have a real problem. Yeah. You know, it's a little bit worrisome that he was on Artem Lobov's back for, like, 11 minutes and could not rear naked choke him. But, again, when you talk about high ring IQ, I, I, Hall's got really high, legit, in-person IQ. His ring IQ... No different. He knew he couldn't take down Gray Maynard. He knew Gray Maynard's also a black belt and probably wasn't just going to sit in his guard. So he spam kicks and ran the whole time. And it was not, it wasn't aesthetically pleasing, but mm-hmm. he got the job done, right? He does not take damage. One thing I don't really like about him is that he takes no damage in his fights. He took no damage against Lobov, took no damage against Gray Maynard. He took no damage against BJ Penn, but like he fights once a year. And he's apparently, taking on a guy named the damage. Yeah, he's taking on a guy that literally has his tattooed <laughs> on his fucking chest, right? So so it's very crazy to be like, oh man, it's a, a good style clash. Now, can he take down Darren Elkins? No. Is he gonna pull guard against Darren Elkins? Maybe, but not me if he's fishing for a leg lock sure. Yeah. It's that he's maybe fights him the same way he did against Gray Maynard, which is like, I'm probably faster than this guy, so I'm just gonna dinkle around. The thing is that Gray Maynard fought the world's worst game plan i'm gonna keep both of my hands down i'm gonna stand here i'm not gonna cut angles i'm just gonna take kicks and i'm gonna like wave to the crowd and like wave you on but like bro you are losing the fight you need to do something elkins will do that something also fans don't like ryan hall if the fight's a finisher that's all well and good but the longer it plays out he's routinely booed right he's booed because there's a lack of action most fans are drinking beers. They don't even know what's going on. I don't understand the position. This guy's beating the guy I have money on. Fuck this guy, boo, right? With Elkins, if he just pressures him, moves forward, gets the better of the dirty boxing exchanges, keep this guy upright. Don't let him flop to his back. He's not going to take you down. Pin him up against the cage and just work this guy. Yes. Could Darren Elkins put his head a little too low and get caught in a guillotine? Sure. Could, could he get caught in a Dars? Could he get caught in an Anaconda? Could he get flopped over and get a, a heel hook, a foothold, anything like that? Yeah, it's all possibilities. But Darren Elkins has been submitted one time in his long-ass career. Mm-hmm. It was by Charles Oliveira, who's the man, and Ryan Hall is also the man. 24-7, and seven, 31 fights. So he's, yeah, so he's got 27 pro fights. He's been submitted one lone time. He's out of alpha male. He's training with all these guys. 31 if, you, if, you're, if you're worried about the guillotine choke, I'm just going to but good. if you're going based on, you know, oh, if he, if he just holds him up against the cage on the double leg, the guillotine's open there. Turning out a gym where it's like the only move they know how to do off the cage is that guillotine, crapping wise. So I thought we'd get Elkins at a dog price because uh, he hasn't looked very good lately. But again, those are just the styles that he's been I facing. Mean, Don't match like up good Volkanovsky against That's what I mean. Like, Th- that, that shit's not going to work good for you. But against Hall, you don't got to worry about him stinging you standing. You don't got to worry about him taking you down. You, you don't really got to worry about much other than if he's to swing on top Disengage of your back. Disengage at all times. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be a greasy old striking battle, which Elkins will come away on. The 7,900, because it's less than 8,000, I, I would take a stab Yeah, at same here. But I mean, again, this is a card I'm not huge on most of the dogs, and whereas Feely and Elkins should be dogs, it's they're, they're pick-em fights. And oh, for sure. I'm not giving you a dog play here. I'm telling you who I think is going to win the 50-50 style fight. This is this is the one where I think it goes towards Elkins. So I'll play him again. Hopefully he ends up as dog money. Ping Wan Lu takes on Jonathan Martinez, 8,700. Ping Wan Lu or Lu Ping Wan, uh, whatever. I don't know. It's these Chinese names. I don't know which goes in which order. Every website's a little bit different. So we're going to go with Ping Wan Lu. Um, Jonathan Martinez is 7,500 and plus 120. This fight just, uh, just flat out of the gate. High decision number here. It's like minus 245 for this fight to go to decision. So take that into account when you are looking to construct your lineups. I haven't actually done tape on these two guys quite yet. Um, I don't know if you have any hot takes on this one because I... Surely do not. Yeah, Pinyon Lu was a good finisher prior to coming to the UFC since he's come to the UFC 2-0 and 
hasn't looked phenomenal. Uh, hasn't looked like he's a finisher by no stretch of the imagination. Decent wrestling, able to get guys down, able to kind of control them, but he's still only 26 years old. He's going to develop. He's going to come a long way. Interesting note on him is just like his training partner and friend, Song Yadong, they're two young kids out of Embo in China. Embo grooms them, gets them lots of experience, and when they get to that mid-20 range and they have the experience ready, they get sent to alpha male. So, uh, I mean, we all saw what happened to the Weasel Perez last weekend, uh, Alejandro versus Sung Yudong. It's like, damn, this guy's making massive improvements. He's getting better, and he could potentially be uh, at least some type of a threat to the bottom of the division in, in the near future. But but Lou doesn't really fight like his good old friend here. I mean, we got Song Yudong who's like a Terminator on the feet. Ping Yang Lu's not really that good standing, but he's got the advantage on the ground. If this, for whatever reason, ends up as a stand-up battle, I think I would give it to Jonathan Martinez. But Martinez's problem is that he's kind of undersized, and quite frankly, he's got no defensive grappling. If you have no defensive grappling, you're going to be in trouble here. We, we got the Chinese guy out of Alpha Male. We know what the game plan is. We know he's probably going to go look to clinch him, and we know that he's probably going to get a little bit of a pop from the crowd. Martinez won't get none of that. But if I'm Jonathan Martinez, and I, I can't wrestle, my first two fights in the UFC are... Uh, Andre Sukumantath and Wuji Buren. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean, perfect, perfect. I, I can't really wrestle. I'll strike with you. He's taken down collectively six times between both of them. Just mm-hmm. like, if you're not wrestling with those guys, it ain't going to get any better. So they gave him a bit of a camp, and that's appreciated. But ultimately, we got a guy in, in Martinez that's 0-2 versus the Chinese prospect that's 2-0. I know you're not big into storylines, and every fight is not a storyline. But we have the one guy that's local because he's training there. He's 2-0. He's young. We're trying to get into this Asian demographic. Give him... A guy that's literally one fight away from being cut. And you're John thinking he's going to hammer takedowns? He's going to hammer the takedowns. And he gets interesting at 8,700. <sighs> yeah, but the problem the is The odds that are bad, so that will probably make him low-owned, too. He's low-owned because the price is not exactly great. The 8,700 on somebody that most people... You know what? You're not the only guy that hasn't done his tape study on him. Most people just don't have the time. It's a 12-fight card. And it's a 12-fight card in a weekend that we got a Tuesday night contender series and we got a Thursday night PFL. So, and, I mean, if you're really greasy, you got a Friday LFA as well. So, yeah, just like tape study goes out the window in some spots. But, I mean, Martinez's defensive crap. Listen, if this fight stays standing, he's got a shot. He really does. Mm-hmm. I just don't think Lou's going to go in with that game plan. I think he's going to do what he's been doing. And even though he didn't look great in his last time out against Martin Day, this represents that same level, that same challenge. Get the takedowns. Dominate this guy on the ground. If Martinez doesn't get up and he's only getting a few takedowns, 87 is still a bad price. If Martinez is able to scramble and make this interesting and Lou's got to work a little bit, then maybe he could earn up to that 87. We got Brianna Van Buren taking on Olivia Souza. Brianna Van Buren, eighty two hundred minus one fifteen, a favorite. Souza, eight thousand minus one hundred five. Uh, this Brianna Van Buren, some sort of world beater or something. She won should a Victor one night tournament. Oh. Should I be excited? I don't think so. Like Souza, 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 Souza's. I can't call getting her my disrespected bebe, now. But like I ain't. She was a. Investor. She was a Invicta stallion. She's been my cash cow. Yeah. I've made a lots of money on Livion Souza. What's up with this line then? Minus one hundred five. Like it's a pickle. Yeah, this is what I saw it as. And if this I'm is thinking, the case, like, this is the case. I've been looking at this, being like, why wouldn't I bet Souza? Yeah. For, I, I've been kind of, I mean, me and our friend Arap, we're calling it a curse. The second fight on the card the last like couple of weeks. I'm getting, Fiziev. I'm getting we, fucking we torched. We a big one on that one. Yeah. Well, see, that's going back weeks. But like the last uh-huh. two cards in particular, like. Who was the second fight of this last card? If you think about it, I got sparks on it. Um, you could go back and check. Anyways, regardless. Oh, it was uh, Nardiev. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like these guys are all supposed to be winning, and for whatever reason, they're not winning. I'm hoping this is the this is the move on Souza. I'm hoping this is why we get the good price tag, right? Is that here's a girl that looks awesome in Invicta outside of losing the title to Angela Hill, which was a split and a five-rounder. She's looked fantastic. Ayaka Hamasaki, huge victory there. Signs to the UFC after beating uh, Mirandon, who was 9-0, beats Alex Chambers in a minute 20. Now everybody's going to be getting on her. She's been my cash cow, but now everyone's seeing the skills and they're going to get on her. It's that fight with Sarah Froda. Froda was on short notice, is a nobody, and gave her one hell of a go. In that third round, Souza was tired, which is surprising because she's a five-round fighter and just unbelievably tired. She is a split. I'm not going to say she's lucky to get the split. I'm glad she got the split, but it's a close fight in that I thought she won the first two rounds, but... She's given some serious problems. So now you think, here's a girl that might be overvalued. Mifroda come out of left field, short notice replacement with no reputation, and she's giving her a go. Well, we got Banks. Banks is uh, like a six-fight winning streak. She just won an Invicta one-night tournament. She looks good. She's got good boxing. Why not take the play on her? The, the problem there is that Sarah Froda 
I just want to make sure I get the exact number right here. Sarah Froda is five foot six and came into that fight. Super overweight. Missing weight by eight fucking pounds. Yeah. Okay. She was gigantic. So Souza won the first two rounds and very understandably, Paul. Gas the fuck out, right? And Froda just kept marching forward, marched her down, made her look human. Now we got Brianna Banks, who stands at five feet Bri- tall. Brianna Van Buren. Sorry, yeah, well, I don't want to say Banks. Is that my Brianna Banks? That's, a porn star. Star. <laughs> That's my baby. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, Brianna Van Buren, my bad. We want to see Banks get beat up. Brianna Van Buren. <laughs> oh, come on. I said, wouldn't. With Van Buren, though, is that she's five feet tall, so she's giving up a massive reach advantage. She's giving up the size. And when Souza, Souza's way better on the ground, I believe, good black belt. Souza's wrestling, good wrestling. I'm, I'm in on it. I'm giving her the wrestling advantage. And as far as the striking battle goes, I think because uh, I believe Van Buren's a southpaw, and if you watch any of Souza's fights, she's huge on the body kick. And that body kick will be opened right up for her. Mm-hmm. So I see her having the faster hands, beating her with the body kick, beating her to the body. If she wants to get the takedown, get the takedown, grind the girl up. Van Buren also has some big, like, long winning streak, but she took off, she kind of retired, came back in 2018, <clears throat> and is kind of getting, that's why she joins this one night tournament. I got to kickstart my career. Beats lowly competition like Kayleen Curran. And now you're going to jump in there against the former Invicta champion? So she faced in the finals. Yeah, yeah. So, so. She's got to win over Jamie Moyle. <laughs> You're just explaining my point here. I just yeah. mean, when you tell me, if, if you don't tell me the price on this and you just say, figure it out for yourself, like Souza, given the bad performance in her last time out, like got to be 165 to minus 185. Mm-hmm. If it gets steamed, it'll get a 200, but I wouldn't play it for 200. You're giving me even money? Yeah, no, for sure. I'll take her. And if the curse is real, then we're going to find out come Saturday. But Second I'm going to go fight with Second curse. We'll find out. <laughs> yeah. We will find out on Saturday night. We've got, uh, and finally, we got uh, Vince Morales, Benito Lopez. 8,500, Vince Morales, he's minus 140 favorite. And Benito Lopez is 7,700 and plus 120. We got. Yeah, this is the one I don't have like a great, great read on. And the only reason I say that is Benito Lopez just burns himself out. He goes for the finish right off the bat. Mm-hmm. So he's banger bust. He's either going to go out there and for 7,700 bucks, he's going to do what you want him to do in a GPP. He is going to attempt to get that first round finish. If he doesn't get it, he'll attempt it in the second round, but eventually he will succumb to his own cardio. He's young. He makes glaring mistakes. He's fun to watch. He's out of alpha male, but like he leaves a lot to the imagination. Vince Morales, meanwhile, just beat Eamon Zahabi, and like I thought it was a bum performance. One, but it was Eamon Zahabi not doing anything, and I mean not doing anything. Eamon Zahabi's a completely busted Canadian prospect. So, so, so busted. So, to be perfectly honest, I think Vince Morales getting that win over Eamon Zahabi, it looks good and that's what gives him favorite status and that's what gives him 8,500. I think skill-wise, Benito Lopez is the guy. The thing is, is that Morales is durable enough that he could just stretch this out into the later rounds. Mm -hmm. If he stretches this to the later rounds, is Benito Lopez just going to crumple over? I I don't know. But I I think I'm going to roll with pretty Benito Lopez, he's alpha male, I'm going to take him. We got uh, Ping Yuan Lu, he's alpha male. I'm gonna take him. Elkins, alpha male. I'm gonna take him. Feely, alpha male. I'm gonna take him. Josh Emmett, alpha male. I'm not gonna take him. And Uriah, fuck no. But there's a lot of alpha male fighters on this card, and they're gonna they're gonna get some good rubs. They've got some okay matchups. Again, this one, I, I'm just gonna tell you to pass. But I have hardly any dogs here. So Benito Lopez is plus 120 and is 7700. I'll do a little more tape research. And I expect Benito Lopez to fight his ass off until he gets tired. I hope that's not the case, but that's remember his fight on Contenders versus uh, Steven Peterson. It's like this ain't no card. In the first round, like, Benito Lopez looks awesome. In the is, third round, it's like you're getting your ass kicked by Steven Peterson in the stand-up exchanges. This card is not the type of card to be like, oh, I'm gonna hit a twelve leg parlay on this. No. Like, we'll try, but I mean, I mean, gonna, yeah, throw, throw a, a buck on that or whatever, whatever is a small, small, small wager for yeah. you. But like, it's it's tough sledding for sure. Um, don't you usually do your uh, Poggy Rub Parlay? Yeah, well, Poggy Rub Parlay, not a whole lot of dogs in this card, but we're going to go with Aspen Ladd, Ricky Simon, Merced Bektich, Carl Roberson, Marvin Vittori, Mike Rodriguez, Andre Feely, Juliana Pena, Darren Elkins, Pinguan Lu. Livian Renata Souza and Benito Lopez. In terms of plays that I actually do like, I don't mind. I don't mind, lad. They're giving me a, a you know it was a good price. Certainly, if you got on it right off the bat, Ricky Simon is not a good price. Bektich is an okay price. 
Uh, Vittori is a good price. Feely's a good price. Elkins is a good price. There's some I, I like I like Pena. Again, there'll be more research to be done, and I'll tweet it out because, again, there, there has to be... I'm one of those guys that's trying to research four cars this week, so mm-hmm. I feel fairly confident, but there'll be more to be done. But Chris Curtis has opened up on that PFL for Thursday, like a 3-1 to one underdog. Like, Chris Curtis, my boy, action man. He's in awesome shape right now, training full-time in Vegas, like... Could make it happen. So if I'm actually that confident about it. a lot of Russian guys fall on those cards. Just saying. They all come in stock. Who is it? Can't pronounce that name. There's an OV at the end. There's three Magomeds in there. There's an OV at the end. Yeah, five to one. And and the other guy, is he he better? Okay, six to one. Oh, this guy's no good? Three and a half to one. (laughs) It it, it makes no sense. But Action Man, uh, Action Man going to get his bread. He retired, though, after not getting his contract originally, right? He he fucking right. Shawn Michaels sweet chin music's this motherfucker mm. in the face. Brady defaults, right? And it's like, oh, yeah, how you knock? And he had a broken hand. That's why he super kicked him, and that's why he kind of took the third round off. But I guess the finish and, like, no contract. And you want to know the interesting thing from that? Every single guy on that episode fought in the UFC, the winners and the losers. Except for Chris Curtis. Who was arguably the best guy out of the bunch. Yeah. But anyways, I know Chris Curtis and I have him on social media, obviously. And uh, he talks a lot of shit about management. So it's like they don't like him. Mm. So PFL comes and says, we'll give you a million bucks if you can win this tournament. And it's like Action Man's got the skill set to run through this. Anyways, if he was even money, we'd be talking different here. But three to one. Plus 300. Anyways, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll tweet it out. I'll tweet it out if I... uh, if if that's who I'm going to go out with and I have the degree of confidence. I tweeted him out last time. He was like, he was minus 220. But you remember that first PFL card of the season. Like everybody was 8-1, to 9-1. to one. He was yeah. the only value play. And he creamed the guy. Right. So I'm hoping for more out of uh, my boy, the action man. That wraps it up for us. Thank you to Cody Saftik, bringing down the fights with me as always. It's our uh, last time with Chad. Oh, shit. This is Chad's last time switching our show. He's moving back home. Chad, then back I'm going to his I'll old put, hometown. I'm going to put Chad on the spot here. Chad, you just yell your answer over here. Uh, who, who's your baby, Chad? Uh, he's, got, a he's got a girlfriend. Page Van Zandt. What a stock TV. answer. Her name's Jocelyn. Uh, oh. Jocelyn Liebarger? Oh, Chad. Oh, no. <laughs> That's his baby? No. Thanks, Chad, for, uh, for all of the help that he's done for us over the last... Eight, nine months. Been a super Back good dude. Since yeah. like October or so. We do really truly appreciate Chad. That's C H H A D D. I actually finally nailed his Twitter account. I'll give him a follow on Twitter. Thank you again, Chad, for all the hard work that you have done for us here. So for Cody and Chad, I'm Paul saying goodbye and good luck. Experience. Experience.